When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we begin, I want to tell you about a podcast I think you will love called Fireside. Hosted by my friend Blair Hodges, it's a show that explores questions of culture and religion with a beautiful spirit of curiosity and deep inquiry. The guests are brilliant and wise, and Blair is the best kind of guide to life's mysteries you could ask for. Check it out at firesidepod.org and in your podcast app. My name is Susan Wolfe. I teach at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. I'm a philosopher, <laughs> pretentious as that may sound, uh, and work on mostly s- subjects having to do with ethics, um, meaning in life, uh, the relation between moral and non-moral values, and freedom and responsibility. I think there are two quite different questions, so they may be related. One is, what is the meaning of life? Um, Is there a meaning to life? And the other is, what makes a life meaningful? So meaning in life, which I'm associating with what makes a life meaningful, is something that an individual life may have more or less of. You You know, some people live more meaningful lives than others. We might want to put more meaning into our lives. It's not an all or nothing question, and it's not it won't have the same answer across all of humanity. Um, whereas what is the meaning of life is a very, asks a very different kind of question. Like what, you know, what, why are we here? What, you know, do we have a, do we, the human species have a purpose or, right. So those are very different questions. And I mostly am, I mean, spent more, most time trying to make progress on is the kind of smaller question, you know, what makes a life meaningful? A meaningful life and being not empty and not alienated um, feels good, right? Um, But it doesn't, I mean, but there are other kinds of good feelings that I think don't particularly connect to meaning. So a a lot of happiness, fun, right? Riding a roller coaster, you know, eating a half foot sundae. I mean, those are, they're fun, they're good, um, but I don't think, one would think one's life is meaningful because one gets to do those things um, or that one's life is not meaningful because one doesn't get to do those things. So I don't think meaning feels happy or pleasurable. I mean, often it is that too, but in in the traditional sense, it feels good in the sense that you feel engaged. You feel like you're doing something you care about doing that you 
feel is worth doing, that's what gives the feeling of meaning to life, I think. Um, it, in a lot of my work, I use the word fulfilling to talk about that. Um, I mean, when things are going well and the projects you're engaged with are succeeding, it can feel fulfilling. You could have a, a job that's fulfilling or a relationship that's fulfilling in the sense that you love it and it seems worth that, that you're doing something that you can be proud of and that's worthwhile. Um, that's the feeling. And it's, again, it's different from just feeling fun or, you know, amused, right? It's fulfilling. Um, but I think lives can be meaningful even when uh, the things you're engaged with aren't so successful or you're not, you don't know whether they're successful. There can be a lot of tension and struggle and still be meaningful. So fulfillment is only um, kind of in the best cases, the feeling. Um, it's really this feeling of in, engagement with something worth doing. One of the things that seems to me important about meaning is that it takes you out of yourself to an attachment or connection with something valuable that just isn't grounded in your happening to like it. Um, and of course, people are the most uh, most obvious and often the most available uh, object of connection. I sometimes um, use it as a kind of slogan, meaning arises when subject of attraction meets object of attractiveness. So there, are, there is, and you can do something positive about it. You can engage with what you're attracted to. And it's, right. so I came to it, and this is probably the best way to think about it, by way of what, especially when I started thinking about this, seemed to me to be the dominant view, often not philosophically investigated, but it seemed like the dominant view among both philosophers and, you know, maybe the public at large, which is that a meaningful life is a life that is subjectively fulfilling. Um, if it's meaningful to me, that's what meaning is. And, um, and so uh, there was this one really wonderful, it, it, you could call it an article, but it was really the last chapter of this book by Richard Taylor on good and evil. It was about the absurd, and he and he talks about Sisyphus, who is the you know paradigmatic example of absurd life, absurd activity. Sisyphus is rolling a stone, eternally condemned by the gods to roll a very heavy stone up a hill, only to have it roll down again, only to have to. Con roll it up again, only to have it roll down again. So it's this perpetual, totally futile, difficult, and unfulfilling chore. And Taylor says, but now imagine that the gods take pity on Sisyphus and insert in Sisyphus's veins some substance that makes him love stone rolling more than anything else in the world. So suddenly, you know, so instead, I mean, he's still doing the exact same thing, but it's, um, but now this is, you know, he sees this as his mission in life. This is, you know, um, and in that piece, Taylor says, you know, that's, that's the best you can ask for. And that's, and really that's, that's as good as it gets. Right. Um, and so it was as a contrast to absurdity, it seemed to be his idea of a kind of metaphor for a meaningful life, doing something that you love doing. 
And, um, and that seemed like the dominant view. I mean, it doesn't matter what, you know, if you like painting, if you like philosophy, if you like curing cancer, you know, your life is meaningful if you pursue your passion and go for it. But I mean, my own response was, no, he is still wasting his life. He's enjoying it, but he's wasting it. I mean, he can't help it in the case of Sisyphus. Um, and then a meaningful life is not just one that feels meaningful, but that um, where there's some kind of external vindication for it being meaning. And so the question is, what would be external vin- vindication? And my answer is, it would be value that is um, confirmed and supported by something outside of one's own attraction. Right? Thus, subjective attraction meets objective attractiveness. So that was where this view came from. That's yes, subjective fulfillment, subjective engagement is essential to a meaningful life, but that's not enough. It has to be that you're engaged with things worth engaging with. You know, I I think part of the resistance to that is among certain arguments and, and people who support them that say, well, there is no objective value. Um, and how how have you typically responded to that? Um, so I think I start with, you know, on the ground with, look, look at how look at how you sometimes spend your time and how other times, you know, and there are lots of things actually that I do that I think there's nothing wrong with doing them, including playing Sudoku. I, I did that for a while. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't feel allowed to say this. But, you know, watching television, you know, reading escape fiction, whatever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. And they're, you know, it might be, you know, good, but but they're not as valuable as lots of other things. And so um, I start there and think, um, we've just, we've got to figure out a theory that will explain what what's involved there, but start there rather than um, at, by doing philosophy that makes it easy to question where the, what that objectivity means. Um, I mean, figuring out, well, is it really valuable to, to, you know, cure famine? Is it what, and what about philosophy? Is philosophy valuable? I mean, a lot of the things that I feel fulfilled by are not as obviously valuable as curing cancer, you know, uh, feeding the hungry and so on. So there's a lot of work to be done to figure out, well, which things are objective value, valuable, even without a a philosophical theory. And I think for that, um, you know, one tries to articulate what one finds, what one finds good about the things that one does. One talks to other people, one takes both criticism and skepticism and uh, to, you know, pay attention to how you might be fooling yourself into thinking something's meaningful that isn't. But also it opens up your ideas to things that you might not have from the inside immediately see as meaningful that someone else does. So, you know, if you don't, if when you hear opera, it just sounds like people screeching and, and you meet an opera lover, they can get you to see more to it than you might've initially, or, you know, marathon running, uh, you know, you might think what a ridiculous thing to do, you know, it's, um, but then as you talk to marathoners, you come to see, even if you don't eventually say, all right, I'm going to 
learn to love this or do this, um, you can see something intelligible about why that might be valuable. So I think conversation, articulation, paying attention to the question is at least one way to start thinking through through these questions. A lot of the ways you can make your your own work more rewarding is um, through the way you relate to the people who are in the same, uh, you know, in the same world. I mean, just, you know, having, you know, friendly, concerned relations among each other rather than feeling like we're all just, you know, standing there doing our job and not looking around us. How would you translate all of your academic research into kind of life tips uh, for for a curious um, and sincere person? Find things you love. I mean, people, of course, but also activities. Um, Because if you can't find things to love, uh, you're lost. Um, So I think this kind of openness, curiosity, not just intellectual curiosity, but kind of curiosity about the world through whatever forms we have. Um, and I, I actually think most of the time, the things that they, that people do get passionate about are valuable things. So it can bring out the best in you. It'll bring out, it'll motivate you to be, to develop excellence in connection with these things. I think the main thing is find things you love and that will bring out the best in you and eventually contribute maybe to the thing you love. (laughs) Making Meaning is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. It is produced by me, Zachary Davis, and Jack Pombriand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. You can connect with us on Twitter, where we're at Ministry of Ideas. You can also email us at Zachary at ministryofideas.org. We would love to hear from you. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a Boston-centric collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. You can check out all of our shows at hubspokeaudio.org.